Hello. We're really glad you joined us, and we're glad for your interest in spiritual matters. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, Paul encourages Christians by telling them to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, he tells the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Prayer is a critical aspect of the life of a Christian. And unfortunately, for a lot of Christians, it's a very ironic aspect of their lives. Because when it comes to the various things that Christians are commanded to do, prayer seems to be a very simple thing. Prayer doesn't cost money. It's a simple thing to do. But a lot of people find it very difficult to find the time to do it as often as they should. Even if it doesn't cost money, it takes up resources that sometimes we don't want to give it. And few are the Christians who will somehow deny the importance of prayer. But I know that I myself can contest that I should spend a whole lot more time in my prayer life. And it doesn't take long when you start talking about prayer for people to agree that, yeah, I, uh, I could pray more. There are a lot of things I could pray more about. And prayer is our communication with God. And as such, it should not be neglected. And so let's spend some time talking about prayer and considering prayer from the pages of Scripture. To begin with, well, what is prayer? Well, prayer is representation of making petitions to God. We've seen it in, the, in Romans 12 and 1 Thessalonians. In Mark chapter 11, in verse 24, Jesus declares about such things. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. In Romans 1 and verse 10, Paul talks about the prayers he was making and how he had made them known to God. And so prayer is making requests known for, to God. It's really a great opportunity if we think about it. The creator of the universe, the one who has always been, who is, and who always will be, he wants to communicate with us. And not only, he wants us to communicate with him. He has made known his purposes in his word. And he declares in them that he wants us to talk to him. He is holy and mighty and righteous and great. While we are unholy and unrighteous, very aware of our sinfulness. As the heavens are higher than the earth, Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, So God's ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts than our thoughts, and yet, He loves us. And He wants us to pray to Him. He wants us to make known to uh, Him the things that are going on in our lives. And, and what prayer really, we need to keep in mind is it's a desire for real communication. And we need to know how high and holy and superior God is. And this is one of those kind of issues that a lot of people have when it comes to balance and tension, is they recognize God's holiness, and therefore they want to almost, like, they get paralyzed in fear of saying anything. On the other hand, you have people who look at it very casually and, and will, don't seem to provide any reverence or deference to God and, and, and pray to God as if he's just uh, one of their buddies. Uh... So, we need to understand the scripture kind of points us in a middle way. 
that God is holy and superior, and we are unworthy. We are completely unworthy. And yet, through the blood of Christ, we have the opportunity, as the Hebrew author declares in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, that, brother, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we have the opportunity to come through boldly, because of the cleansing that we've received in Christ. And that in Romans eight fourteen through 17 that our redemption that we've obtained in Christ allows us to be adopted as sons, and as a spirit through which we're able to cry out, Abba, Father. This is something very important. A lot of people say, well, Abba was the, the intimate child word that a child used for, 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 God, for her, their father, and so it's the equivalent of Daddy. That is not accurate. I don't know where that came from. That is not accurate. Abba is the standard word for dad or father in Aramaic. But it's very telling that the one person who had the right to call him daddy called him father. And that we should provide that kind of respect and reverence too. And that's where we need to keep that balance in mind. We must maintain proper humility before God. We must recognize how much greater that God is. On the other hand, we don't necessarily speak in a different way than we normally would, or that we have to hold back on our praying because of that, because He wants us to communicate with Him. That's very important for us to keep in mind. And it's meaningful conversation, because it's very easy for prayer to lose that meaning, and we need to be careful. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, Jesus provides the following warning. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So Jesus is making it very clear here that prayer is not about pretense. It's not about looking holy, like, oh boy, I'm going to look holy here, I'm going to say all the right things for God, and people are going to think I'm religious, that God and I are on good terms. Jesus says, if you do that, you got your reward. People will think that you and God are on great terms, but you're not. Likewise, it's not about vain repetitions. It's important to understand what he's saying there about vain repetitions. Uh, that they think that, that, that they're going to be heard because they've said a lot. That if they just keep going on and on and on and on, they'll finally annoy the God they're appealing to enough to be heard. Uh, that's not the idea. And sometimes it's taken to mean that if we say the same things in prayer consistently, uh, that that somehow is, is exactly what Jesus is talking about. But it's not, because he will go on, as we're going to see, to provide a model prayer. And the issue with prayer is that it's supposed to be meaningful. 
your prayers on a day-to-day basis are going to probably sound very similar because you're going to have similar needs on a day-to-day basis. The problem is if you just say a prayer without meaning it, saying a prayer to go through the motions. That doesn't please God. That doesn't honor God. It's, that's 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 going to get you no further than God than just having a, a droning conversation with a spouse that your heart's not into is going to do anything for your relationship with them uh, or with your children or your parents or anybody. We recognize that in any relationship we need to have coherent, meaningful communication, and it's no different with God. But Jesus has not left us without an idea what prayer is. He says, after all those things we mentioned, to pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have awful as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And a similar addition is found in Luke 11, 1 through 4. And so we have this model prayer here. And it's possible to pray this prayer, just as it is with meaning. But we can also see in it, as has been seen throughout the generations, that Jesus is also giving us an idea of the types of things for which we are to pray. We appeal to the Father in heaven. We first say, hallowed be your name. The idea that let your name be held with reverence. To recognize, first and foremost, God's sanctity. To make the request for his kingdom to come. And yes, the people say, well, the kingdom came on Pentecost. And that's true in a sense, that the church is now here. Uh, God's services in Christ have been fulfilled. The kingdom is growing. But we are not in the day of resurrection yet. We have not reached the great and wonderful day of judgment and the triumph of the saints and spending eternity with God. And so in that sense, the kingdom has yet to come. It does not demand a premillennial kingdom or anything of the sort. Uh, it just is a recognition that God still has purposes yet undone and that it is sufficient to pray that they are to be done. And that involves the advancement of his purposes. Your kingdom come. Will people come and understand their need to be saved and that the fullness of time may reach its end? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a very powerful declaration. To realize that God's will is done in heaven. It needs to be now done on earth as it is in heaven. The promotion of righteousness, the encouraging people to obey the gospel, that God's will be done. That we have our daily needs, our daily bread, that which we need on a daily basis. That we have material needs. God knows about them, but we still ask for them. For request of forgiveness, but as we forgive others. In fact, Jesus will, will talk about this afterward and say, If you forgive others their trespasses, uh, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And this realization, very difficult realization, that you've got to forgive others. You've got to release the frustration and pain about the things they've done to you, if you, in fact, want God to do the same for you. That's very hard for us humans to do. And it's important to keep that in mind, because we're very, very quick to want forgiveness from God, because we know we've messed up. It's very hard for us to forgive others. Very hard for us to forgive others. The recognition of to be led not in temptation, but to live from the evil one. To recognize the difficulties and the persecutions and the challenges that we're going to experience at the hands of Satan. 
and that we're we, we're often liable to to go into the ways of sin and to ask God for the strength to not do that and to be delivered from the one who would who would lead us to perdition. And so a lot of these things are very basic, but it's very profound. And it's very important. No, God knows these things. God knows these things, but He still wants to hear it from us because it's like a father wants to, uh, believes the the what the child needs and, and the child's feelings. He still wants to hear about them. It's it's not it's it's very much to the glory of God, and God is and God appreciates it, but it's really for our benefit. We have to come to these realizations sometimes. We have to go through that process in prayer whereby we deliver up to God the things that are His. That we prove willing in prayer to put our trust in God. That in prayer we prove willing to wrestle with the difficulties that we experience so that we can become ever more sanctified and holy in His presence. And God wants us to make prayer a continual habit, a continuing relationship. It's not something that's done infrequently on an emergency basis. That's why there's a pray without ceasing. It's a progr- it's a repeated behavior. That we don't think of prayer as, oh man, everything just went wrong. I need to call on my emergency spiritual nine one one. Let's pray to God. That's not the idea. Yes, in moments of emergencies, we are to pray to God. We should not pray to God because of that, but we should recognize that if our prayer life is, God, deliver me because I can't find any other way out, that God very well might say, well, you've yet to appeal to me. You've yet to see that you must continually hand things over to me. Um, that sometimes you may have to reap what you've sown to recognize that all of this, everything you have and are, and everything that happens in its own way, you need to hand over to God. And you need to recognize that God is the one that we should be continually accessing in prayer for wisdom and insight and strength and direction, and not just cry out to Him when things go wrong. So why do it? What's the benefit of it? Well, prayer is of great value in every regard. There's, there's nothing in Scripture that suggests otherwise. In Ephesians 6 and verse 18, we're told that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, and to that end to keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel. That, to communicate with God. You know, you look at the armor of God, that is given all these other things, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, uh, all these things. But the communication with headquarters is prayer. And as, as any military historian will tell you, a lot of times the fate of a, a battle or a war was entirely dependent on the strength of the communication lines. Uh, and, and that's why we must always keep that open line of communication active with uh, headquarters about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, as we saw in Mark 11, verse 24, and we see in other passages, that if we ask honestly, we'll receive. We have to have trust. If, if prayer is not separated from faith, if prayer is done in faith, uh, 
And we cannot expect prayer done outside of faith to have any effect. That's exactly what James is getting at in James 1, verses 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And, of course, the issue there is that it's very easy to get cynical in prayer. Well, Lord, it'd be great if this happened, but I don't think so. Well, this is a situation I'm in. I need some help, but it's hopeless. Now, those side comments nobody actually says. No, very few, very few people are that honest, but that's the way they feel. So when they're praying, they're, they're praying half-heartedly. They're praying expecting defeat. And then they're defeated and they wonder why. When prayer is supposed to be an act of bold faith, that you recognize the situation may be good, but you have full confidence because you're asking God and you know who God is, that God actually can take that horrible situation or take what seems to be dire and yet actually come through. But the only way we can do that is if we really trust. And that's very hard for us to do. It's very easy to talk about it, but it's very hard for us to do. There's the other side of that, and of course all of these verses where people are, or Jesus or the apostles are saying, if you ask, you'll receive. It's been very easy for me to come and say, hey, it says in the Bible, if you ask, you receive. So you need to start asking for that raise. You need to start asking for God to bless you with hundreds of thousands of dollars. You need to ask God to bless you with that car. You need to ask God to bless you with this and this. And you will receive. If you don't receive, you don't have enough faith. And this whole endeavor of prayer is given a very bad name because there are plenty of people who pray these things but don't receive the benefits. And yet, James also warns us about that. He just said we need to pray in faith at the beginning of James. But in James 4 and verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. If we ask God, God, give me a million dollars so we can go blow it on things that aren't going to matter, do we really think God's going to give us a million dollars? When we ask for God, we need to have asking for things according to His purposes and will. If we want blessings, it needs to be directed to His purposes. And not for our purposes. And it must be spiritual purposes, not our carnal purposes. And we cannot say that somebody has a lack of faith just because what they prayed for didn't happen. It might be. That's always a possibility. But it may not be. Maybe God has other things in mind, or maybe something like we saw here, that the, the situation was that they were asking wrongly. And it's always important to keep in mind that the very problem with prayer is sometimes we get what we ask for. As anybody who's ever prayed for patience has understood. Sometimes we get what we ask for. We need to be careful about that too sometimes. And prayer is very important because it brings us in the presence of God. One of the important things about praying constantly is if we don't pray constantly, it's very easy for us to act and think as if God is not there. Prayer as a constant connection reminds us that there is a God and we're accountable. So it's a lot harder to sin if you're constantly in prayer. In praying, you give up your burdens to God, which is what he wants in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, and he will provide for us. And it's invariable that if you draw, if you pray to God like that, you're going to draw near to him. You will get closer to him. And it will go well with you. 
when you're praying for and with your brethren, you get closer to them as well. That prayer is supposed to be something that is a shared experience. It is an individual experience, but it's also a shared experience that can help us get closer to God and to one another. And of course, the benefits go well beyond anything we can talk about, because there are all kinds of ways that God can bless us in ways that I can't explain, that we may not understand or see, or, or something that only you can understand in your own life. It can help you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Peter 3 and 18. Prayer will lead to great results in life. If done in faith, if done consistently, if done in the right spirit, it will lead to great benefits. That is a guarantee that we have from God. Why won't we take advantage of it? And there's so many examples in the Bible of prayer. Yes, Jesus is God, but we see so many times where Jesus will pray to the Father. In Matthew 14, 23, he'll separate out himself to go and pray. Matthew 26, 36-44, just before he's betrayed, he, what does he do to the seminary? He cries out to God, Father, let this cup pass from me. He's praying earnestly. Paul, in good and bad times, he's in prison. He is prison unjustly, he's, he's in uh, chains, but what is he doing? He's singing and praying to God in Acts 16.25. In Romans 1 and verse 9, he prays for the benefit of others. And at the end of that book, in Romans 15 30, he's praying, uh, requesting for the Roman brethren to pray for him, that he will be able to continue to seek to advance God's purposes. The Old Testament has legions of examples. In 2 Kings 19, in the middle of being surrounded by Assyria, the Assyrian army that had destroyed the kingdom of Israel and destroyed all the other kingdoms, uh, and who had called out boldly that yet again they were going to be successful. And every earthly reason would, 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 would certainly justify that opinion. But Hezekiah prays to God, and God delivered him in 2 Kings 19. In the middle of the crisis that she experiences, Esther cries out to God in prayer in Esther 4, and her people are delivered. James five sixteen through 18 James explains to us the great example of one of the great men of faith of Elijah. And he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And that is the recognition that James has that the prayer of the righteous has much power in its working. So he's not very different from us, but as we can see in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17 and 18, everything happened just as James described it. That He prayed and it didn't rain, he prayed again and it rained. And these things happened because he was aligned with the will of God, and God worked powerfully through him. So we can see throughout the Bible the importance of prayer and devoting ourselves to a life of prayer and to continue to keep that channel of communication open with God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, because of your, uh, they, they couldn't cast out this demon because of their little faith. But truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. This does not mean that we can start, you know, leveling mountains. It wasn't Jesus' purpose. The point was to say that if we have trust in God, even if that trust starts out very little, it can grow and grow and grow. We keep in prayer. We keep in trust. We do well to ask, are we of little faith?
do we really believe that God is able to do the things we request? Are we able to place confidence in God to believe that He can do great things in working through our prayers and through us? That mighty things have been done in the, by the people of God, the, like moving mountains. Not the actual moving of mountains, but something of a similar significance. Not because they were amazing, not because they were awesome, but because they submitted to God and God worked through them powerfully to do the things that God would have done. So are we willing to pray in such ways as to change the world, to live in faith so that it may take place? That's why it's important for us to consider our prayer life and be devoted to God in prayer. We're again so thankful that you spent this time with us. We hope that you've been encouraged. And uh, Hey, we know that a lot of us will completely agree, and I'll, I'll say it as well. I, I could do more praying. That praying is always something good to talk about and to devote ourselves to. And if you have any other questions or anything you'd like to talk about, maybe you have some prayer requests that you'd like to make known, like for us to pray for you. If there's any way we can be of service, please let us know. Please contact us through our website, deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. And if you want to know more about the Venice Church of Christ, please check us out online at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. We're also on uh, many social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, social media, things of that nature, uh, Twitter, things like that, at Venice Church or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.